Well, good morning, everyone. Today is uh, Sunday, the 3rd of May, and we're coming to the end of the sixth week in lockdown. Now, I don't know about you, uh, are you getting stir-crazy yet? Uh, as you can see, uh, I've had to have the compulsory lockdown haircut. But as I say, today is the 3rd of May. Not a particularly special day, very similar to any other day. But 33 years ago, on the 3rd of May, 1997, it was a Saturday. And probably the most significant recent event to happen on this day occurred in Dublin. Let me give you a clue. It's Saturday evening, live on BBC One. Terry Wogan. Have you got it yet? Yes, it was when Katrina and the Waves won the Eurovision Song Contest for us. Do you remember the song? Yes, it was Love Shine a Light. I'll come back to that later. But probably, like most of you, I found the time of lockdown quite difficult. I think the thing that I've missed most of all has been able to have cuddles with my kids and, and, and my grandchildren. And hopefully it's not going to be too long now before I can. But there have been lots of positives as well. Quality time with Lynn, my wife. We've really appreciated having our dog Max and all those lovely daily walks. But I think most of all, I've enjoyed having time to reflect and spend time in God's Word and in prayer. Now last week, Sai shared with us from 1 Samuel 16 about how David was called by God. And today, I'm going to share with you the story of David and Goliath from 1 Samuel 17. I want to concentrate on two things that really stand out for me in the passage. We're going to be looking at two things, faith and love. The love that David had of God and how his faith gave him courage in the face of adversity. Note that it's not his courage that gave him faith. No, it's his great faith that leads him to face his giant adversary. Now, when Boris Johnson came out of hospital three weeks ago today, he issued a video message on Twitter in which he readily admitted that he'd nearly died. And this powerful man, the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, was saved by a group of everyday individuals doing their jobs with the utmost professionalism, but absolutely selflessly. To his credit, he named as many as he could remember as he thanked them. Now, probably like me, lots of you were praying that as well as he recovered, that he would meet Jesus in the deep of night, in his deepest pit, as he faced his giant, that possibility of death in his intensive care bed. He didn't declare if he had, but he ended by saying this, the NHS is the beating heart of this country. It is the best of this country. It is unconquerable. It is powered by love. Now those of us who follow Christ know that God is love and we are only able to love because He is love. 
And in John 1, uh, and in 1 John 4, 7, it states, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. Now, as I've just said, during this period of isolation, I've had lots of time to reflect on things. Easter weekend, a couple of weeks ago, fell right as the peak of the pandemic was due to strike. But as I was reflecting on the sacrifice of Christ, I was reading incredible stories of everyday sacrifices being made. The Bible says in John 15, verse 13, Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. So many nurses, doctors, NHS workers, care home workers, supermarket staff, and many, many more essential workers have been going to work every day not knowing if they would become infected. And of course, some have. And really sadly, some have died. So today in this session, where our faith is being tested, I want to speak about an example of great faith and the love of God. I want to walk us through probably one of the best-known stories in the Bible, the story of David and Goliath. Now this story is so well known that often we will read it and not fully look at it in detail. So I'm challenging you today, read the passage as I walk through it, or even better, go back later and really read it again. So, 1 Samuel 17. It's the story of a young hero standing against established power with seemingly inadequate resources, but with great faith in a God he loved and winning. But there are two sides to every story. So let me try and put the sides of both David and Goliath as we work through this passage. Growing up taller than everyone around me brought its challenges. And so I'm probably the best place in this brethren uh, to emphasize, empathize with Goliath. So many random strangers, you know, come up to me and ask, how tall are you? Now, after a hundred times, that can be quite annoying. So I have to think positively and kindly about it. Obviously, people see being tall as a good thing. And I suppose my claim to fame in this respect is when the Queen came to open a new emergency control centre when I was working for the Bedfordshire Fire Service. Some of you may have heard me tell this story before. The Queen, she was brought into the building, uh, this new control centre, by, by the Chief Fire Officer, uh, and I was stood at the far end of the corridor with a couple of my co colleagues and I was to be introduced to her and then show her around this new control centre. So they walked in and the chief said to her, Ma'am, can I introduce to you Divisional Officer Chris Large, the Brigade's Senior Operations Officer? And she put out this delicate black silk gloved hand and her eyes followed her hand from my knees to my navel to my chest and she took my hand and she went, oh, what an appropriate name. So, she's so small 
And I must have seen humanly quite, quite physically imposing that she couldn't think of anything more original to say. But do you think she was afraid of me? No, there is something so powerful in her littleness. After all, she is God's anointed sovereign over this nation. This little woman has been given such authority by God, a God she loves and in whom she has an unshakable faith. And it's that same God who anointed David. And in our story, he comes face to face with his giant, Goliath. Okay, let's set the scene of our story. If you have your Bibles ready, let's go. Part 1, verses 1 to 11. Goliath the giant. So, here we are in the Valley of Ella. There's a map here to give you some context of where it is. And on one hillside are the Philistines, and they are from the lowlands on the Mediterranean coast. And on the other side of the valley are the armies of the tribes of Israel. And the Valley of Ella that runs down the middle is a strategically important trade route through Judah. And now we meet Goliath. Goliath is said to be six cubits and a span. Now, a cubit is generally taken as being about 18 inches, and it's based on the length from the tip of your elbow to the tip of your middle finger. And a span is from the tip of your little finger to the tip of your thumb, and a span is generally half a cubit. So simple maths tells us that Goliath is approximately nine feet, nine inches tall. And they've dressed Goliath in an amazing array of armor. But it's probably so heavy and cumbersome that he's restricted in his ability to move very quickly. And you may have noticed, but big men also tend to have booming voices. I know I do. So Goliath is sent out in front of his army and shouts out his challenge to the Israelites. Send a man to fight me! Now, the Israelites, they all averaged in those days about five feet tall. And this guy out there in front of them is massive. And remember, David is shorter than this because he's only a youth. It's a bit like someone the size of one and a half me's issuing a challenge to a seven-year-old boy in size. It's like one and a half me's challenging, say, Sam Fry. And that challenge is answered by absolute silence. Now, I imagine Goliath would probably have been very nervous as he steps forward, and he's breathing a big sigh of relief when nobody responds to that challenge, so he can turn around and go lumbering back to the camp. Part 2, verses 12 to 40. David, the shepherd boy. David isn't in the army yet, as he's only about 15 years old. But three of his brothers are. And so his father takes him from shepherding his sheep and sends him to take food to his brothers. So he goes with grain, bread and cheese for his brothers. And it says, ten cheeses for the commander of their unit. I think it's probably to help feed others that are not able to feed, uh, receive food parcels from home. And whilst he's there at the camp, Goliath comes out for his daily challenge to the Israelites. 
Send a man to fight me. Goliath's probably not as nervous now as the Israelites are clearly not rushing to volunteer to accept the challenge. And every day that this happens, not only will he be relieved, but his confidence will grow more. David, on the other hand, will also have heard the Israelite soldiers telling that the king has promised not only great riches to anyone who kills Goliath, but the hand of his daughter and freedom for his father's house. Now little David has great faith in God and questions them, saying quite indignantly, verse 26, For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? We can now see such words of wisdom coming out of such a young man. Already he loves God so much and has such a faith that his God reigns and uh, will be standing by him. But it's not in a wishy-washy way. This same David goes on in later life to write lots of his own poetry and songs. We call them psalms. And in fact, we sang the song, Bless the Lord, O My Soul, earlier, didn't we? Matt Redman based this on Psalm 103, which is written by David. And in verse 11, David says this, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. You see, we are to love God, but also fear and respect him for being the most almighty God. The Philistines don't know God. They don't love God, and therefore they don't understand the fear that they should had, have as they defy the armies of the living God. But the Israelite soldiers and David brother, David's brothers are not much better in this respect. They all mock David when they hear him question like this. They accuse David of deserting his duty of looking after the sheep, despite the fact that he's been sent by his father to come and watch the battle. Eventually, King Saul hears what David is saying, and David says to him, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. King Saul replies, but you're such a small youth, and this man, he's a giant. He's a fighting machine with years of experience. But David responds by telling the king how he has protected his flock from lions and bears. David tells Saul that he believes that if God has spared him from lions and bears, he will deliver him from the hand of this Philistine. So Saul, who must have been desperate to bring this daily ritual to an end, says, go and the Lord be with you. Now, was this that David's great faith had rubbed off on Saul and that he believed that the boy, he believed the boy and it ignites a pilot flame of faith in his heart? Or was it that he didn't believe any of it? But he was, as I just have said, desperate to try anything. Think about it. If David loses, and everyone expects he will, the Philistines will probably attack anyway. But if David does by some miracle kill Goliath, well, worth a chance, isn't it? 
So they try and clothe David in armor. But he rejects this because he doesn't want to be restricted by man-made armor. He didn't know if he could fire his sling with all this heavy gear on. You see, he was confident in his usual clothing. That's how he used his sling on the hills, protecting his sheep. So he picks up five smooth stones, puts them in his, puts them in his pouch, and steps forward to confront Goliath. Part 3, verses 41 to 58, the great encounter. Goliath steps forward. Send a man to fight me. Well, you can imagine the look on his face, the surprise when out of the Israelite ranks doesn't come their biggest or best fighter, but a mere boy, a pipsqueak, a mere tot, a little weakling. He's got no armor on, just a staff in his hand. So Goliath bellows. Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? Come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. And David responds, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. And then you'll notice he repeats Goliath's own threat back to him. What a cheek! Goliath, full of confidence that he can slay this little boy, sees his chance to be a hero. After all, he'd be a laughingstock back at the camp if he doesn't tackle this little boy. He can easily finish off this whippersnapper. And instead of turning around and going back to the camp, as he's done for the last 40 days, he is forced to do it. So he strides forward for the kill. But he clearly hadn't seen the sling. David grabs a stone from his pouch, loads his sling and runs towards Goliath. Just as he's done many times before, as he's fighting lions and bears up on the hills protecting his sheep, he fires his sling and it hits Goliath on the forehead where he's, he isn't protected by his armour. The stone sinks into his forehead and he falls to the ground, face down on the floor. You can probably hear the silence in the Philistine ranks. But you can also hear great cheers of jubilation in the Israelite ranks. David continues to run towards Goliath. He takes Goliath's sword from its sheath and he finishes him off. Upon seeing their champion slain, the Philistines flee. And upon seeing them flee, the Israelites, they're inspired. They, they rose and shout, and they chase them back over the border. And then they returned and looted the Philistine camp. King David sends for, Saul, uh, for David and asks, Whose son are you? David replies, I am the son of your servant Jesse, the Bethlehemite. Do you see that? Little David, the conqueror of the Philistines, comes from that little town of Bethlehem. That same Bethlehem that a few hundred years later was where Jesus was born. 
So what does this great story teach us that we can apply to our lives today? Firstly, faith. No matter what battles we face, the giants we have to conquer, the deepness of the pits we are in, we need and we must have faith. David had total faith in the supremacy of God and that God was there at all times to protect him. Goliath, on the other hand, had no faith in God. And instead, he's bolstered by the confidence of his fellow soldiers. He gets caught up in the thinking that because he's so big, he will be invincible. I suppose in modern terms, it's like he goes with the flow. He follows the trend, the social norm. He doesn't want to be different. He doesn't want to be not liked by his colleagues. Do you see anything of yourself in there? I do. It's so easy, isn't it, to fall into that trap. But David is not afraid. He declares his faith in God to be different, to be ridiculed by his peers. The world would say that Goliath would destroy David. The world was wrong. David was anointed by God. And as it says in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 21, we are Christ's anointed, sealed by his Holy Spirit. Take courage, therefore. Who can stand against the Lord's anointed? Earlier, I referred to the Queen. This amazing tiny woman has shown great courage and leadership over the years of her reign. She has ridden out many a storm. The anointing she received at her coronation will continue throughout her life on earth. It is a sacred choosing by her of a servant-led life serving us. You may have noticed that she's got more courageous in declaring her faith as the years have gone on. And those who have ears to hear know she loves the Lord Jesus. We need to follow her example. We need to be bold and courageous in declaring our faith. We need great faith that God is with us, not just in times of crisis, but every day. We need to listen to him more. We need to listen to his Holy Spirit that dwells in us. He is our protector. He is our comforter. He is our counselor. Secondly, love. We need to show that we have a faith that is unbreakable in times of difficulty. That we believe that the God of love will prevail and that we trust that he's working things out for the ultimate good of us all. We don't necessarily know what God is planning for the outcome to be. But we must be little Davids, hurling pebbles at the giants we face, standing up for the one who loves us beyond measure. Already we are seeing people who are facing illness and death for the first time that they are seriously questioning the meaning of life at this time. We see community spirit being rekindled. We see neighbours pulling together again. Good is coming out of this terrible situation. This is our opportunity to tell them the good news of Jesus. As in the title of the Katrina and the Waves song, Love, Shine a Light. It's our moment to shine God's light of love to our community. Let's not waste it. Lynn and I 
use an app called Lectio 365 for our daily devotion time. It's from the 24-7 uh, prayer movement founded by Peter Grigg, who wrote this book, How to Pray. We've recommended it to you before. On one of the devotions last week, I heard this prayer, and it's so appropriate for us. It's a prayer of Thomas Merton, who was an American Trappist monk who became a great author and theologian. He prayed this. Give me the strength that waits upon you in silence and peace. Give me humility in which alone is rest. And deliver me from pride, which is the heaviest of burdens. And possess my whole heart and soul with the simplicity of love. To finish, let me say this. As it says in verse 47, the battle is the Lord's. We are to be his Davids in these modern times. So often we think we're alone in what we're facing and we see our society being dragged down secular paths. We can clothe ourselves in the armour of the world, but armour weighs heavy. And if we are to be like David, then we need to travel light and rely on our sling and pebbles. Our sling and pebbles is the knowledge of the Bible and of biblical truths. If we're living for God, we know He is present no matter what is going on in our lives. And if the cause affects His kingdom and His glory, it is His battle, not ours at all. We just need to stand firm in our faith. If this period of isolation has taught us anything, it's that we don't need to do everything. Busyness gets in the way of what's really important. Relationships with God, with family and with friends. So as we go out to face our Goliaths over the coming days and weeks, let's seek God in everything. And to be, using Boris's words, powered by love. To love people in our communities, in our neighbourhoods and in our families. God of love, may your light shine through in all we do. Let us pray. Father, give us the gift of bold faith like the young David. So often we are motivated by our fears rather than by our faith. Forgive us for thinking so selfishly. Lord, give us love for our neighbours, friends and family like we have never had before. Lord, give us courage to speak out and to stand firm in you. And Lord, we ask that you reveal to us your vision, your purposes and your kingdom, and then make us warriors for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.